Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle, the best place to get your Cal United fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Mike Booth. On today's episode, we'll take a look back at the second goalless draw in three league games as the Blues and the Valiants drew blank at Vale Park in midweek. While looking ahead to this weekend's home tie against the rejuvenated Leighton Orient side. Two games in a row, Mike, that have absolutely nailed the intro a bit. I'm <laughs> just about getting it right in terms of the timing now, so I know how many words that need to be in there. But uh, yeah, how's it going, mate? Yeah, good. You know, we're unbeaten, aren't we? So, you know, not a great deal to complain about. No, just maybe a few goals would be nice, but yeah. know, just just to pad things out a bit, but there you go. Uh, we'll get straight into it because we, we're both a bit uh, strapped for time today in terms of recording. We've got some extra bits to throw in in terms of audio to sort of pad out the episode, so to speak. Um, we'll, we'll, the competition in terms of that, I haven't had time to actually double check that everybody that is potentially got the right answer is in the thing. So I'm going to do that over the weekend and then next week's episode we will definitely, definitely be picking a winner. What we'll do is we'll pick it beforehand, basically, and drop it into the episode. So those people probably have their socks by the time Harley Pull Away comes around. So there you go. A uh, couple of quick bits of news, Mike. Um, I mean, first up, obviously, the, the arrival of Brad Young on loan from Aston Villa. He's a lad who did really well for them, won the FA Youth Cup with them last season, didn't he? And you think he appeared mm. against Liverpool in the... The FA Cup proper as well in that yeah, very yeah. young squad, and didn't he make a bit of a, a prat out of Shakiri at one point with a little pirouette on the ball? I think that's on. Yeah, he did, but I think because that was in his own penalty area as well. I think if he did that at Brunton Park, I think the paddock would just be <laughs> absolutely <laughs> furious. Yeah. What, what are you doing, you prat? Put it up, <laughs> get it up the pitch. Yeah, yeah no, it seems an interesting signing. Season-long loan, you know, he's a. A couple of his, some, not maybe sketchy things with his passion, we say, but obviously he was involved in a, a stabbing, wasn't he, about a, a year mm. or so ago. Amazingly, was back playing within months of, mm. of that. But uh, but yeah, well, I'll talk about how he did against Port Vale shortly. But um, yeah, good, good to see a, a young sort of hungry striker coming in potentially. Yeah, although to be honest, I don't believe in season long loans anymore because I think you and I both know if he hits the ground running and scores a load of goals. He'll be going back in January and probably going somewhere else. I think I think it's more of a risk when you do it to a Championship club because I think they mm. want them to be getting ready for their team as soon as mm. possible. Whereas I think with Premier League, if he's doing really well, they might be a bit more cautious, a bit more happy to sort of let him stay and score goals. Possibly, but I might be wrong. They, they might want to loan him out to a League One team or or something. Maybe. You know, if he proves himself at this level. But yeah, you know, on on paper he looks uh, a good player. But so did Elias Sorensen. So we'll have to uh, wait and see. I think, as I said on online this week, Sorensen had already blotted his copybook handy with his loan at Blackpool, where there was big questions about his attitude. Whereas, yeah, with this lad, when you watch him actually playing in the clips from the Youth Cup games, he's a really hard worker and he does look like a player who, he wants to come and impress. So. Yeah, definitely. Good luck to him. And obviously, on the flip side, uh, as a result of that, young Sam Fishburne has gone out on loan to Lancaster City for the uh, till January, I think it is, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. Smart move for him. It's, uh, I think it's one level above Workington, isn't it? I think it's Northern yeah. League Premier, so just one league below the National League North. Um, yeah, I mean, you've got a, a contact at Lancaster, haven't you? Some of you know coaches there, and was quite impressed yeah. with his debut against uh, Witten Albion. 
Yeah, to quote me, he said he was incredible and he could have had a hat trick against uh, obviously uh, McNulty, who uh, you know w- w- we all know what he's about. He's uh, a big lad, isn't he? He's like the yeah, size of a tank. Yeah. He's huge. Yeah, so, and, and said that you know he wasn't sort of uh, been pushed off the ball easily like you'd expect a seventeen-year-old to in in that sort of scenario. Um, yeah. So yeah, but uh, as as well, I mean Lancaster, their fixture list sort of going up to November ish is just Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. So it, he's going to be having a lot of uh, a lot of game game time, and um, it, it's something to be honest that we should maybe do a little bit more of because. Um, you know, it's only just down on the train or just down the M6. Mm. So for young lads who don't drive, you know, they can get get the train down. Um, mm. And obviously, like you said, they're at higher level than, than Workington. So yeah, I think it, it, it's it's smart. I, mean, I think if Workington get themselves back to that level, it work a lot better for us, really, won't it? Because we we'll yeah. have to send players there as well. Um, but it, it, it's a good move. I think maybe the standard of play we've had previously isn't quite as good as as Fishburne. Who, let's not forget. He's still a second-year YTS, technically, mm. <laughs> age-wise. So to go there and do so well in his debut really does show the lad's got a bit of talent about him. So well, well done to, to young Sam, getting a couple of goals on his debut and a 3-2 um, win for Lancaster. A um, little bit more on that game later because there's a, there's a um, one in the X-Files linked to that match as well. So there you go. Mm. Um, okay, well, let's get straight into it then, Mike. Uh, it's a match review first. Um, now, what I've done here is um, I took my uh, dictaphone with me to the game the other night and just sort of recorded a few crowd noises and had a little chat with a, a good mate of ours, Greg Bullman, who was at the game. I was sat next to him and just talked about how we think the game went at half time and at full time as well. And you can probably hear him starting off a few chants as well uh, through the audio. But um, yeah, basically, it's, it's about 14 minutes long. So if you're not interested in listening to this bit, skip to around about the 20 minute mark in today's episode and you'll be back in basically with, with us talking about the match as well. But it's basically, yeah, a lot, lot of crowd noises of the, like, the major incidents, few chants and things like that. And, and Greg's assessment at half time and Greg's assessment at full time as well. So uh, give that a listen now. Number three, Dan Jones. Four, Ron Walker. 
six, Nathan Smith. Seven, Dave Wall. Eight, Ben Garrity. Eleven, Mal Benning. Thirteen, James Proctor. Twenty-one, Devontae Rodney. And twenty-three, Captain Tom Pats. Let's see the Lions. Go on then, Greg. What did you make of that first half? First half, I thought we started quite well. Um, grew into the game a little bit. We looked solid at the back. They had a big physical side. They looked good around the edge of the box. They look a little bit threatening, but half-time, you would have took that away from home. We gave ourselves a nice little 
platform to build on. We've got the attacking options on the bench. The bench looks really, really strong tonight. So hopefully, fingers crossed, we can start like getting these lads on and see what happens. We haven't created a lot. We don't look like we're going to score. The, the shots are just half chances from outside the box. But they, they've, they've given themselves a platform to build on. Alessandro wants too much time on this. Yeah, every time he yeah, gets, he, he just keeps got some to, lovely touches, but he just doesn't get his shot. Yeah, he just keeps trying to cut in, but, and there's no real runners. And, we, and we're putting these balls in the box, and like I say, they're too big for us. They're winning every single header. Um, we need to get it on the ground and, and run at them and, and frighten them, but we'll see what happens second half. Defensively, we look pretty sound, aren't we? Really? McDonald's yeah. been excellent. Yeah. The two fullbacks I, have covered well. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say there was coming little chances towards the end of the first half where. Whelan got caught in no man's land a little bit and then Armour had to come in and bail him out. But other than that, it's probably they look really, really assured. You, you, you wouldn't think Aaron Aiden had gone. No, definitely not. And hopefully get to see uh, Zach Clough second half. Yeah, fingers crossed, yeah. Um, it's hopefully he's fit and see the new lad as well. So, yeah, we've got. it's, it's nice, like I say, you've got him, you've got Mampale, we've got a lot of attacking options. Louis Bell, so yeah, should be good.
Constitution. Leave the field number nine, Lucas Alessandro. Also tonight, well done to the travelling supporters of Carlisle United. 284 fans have been involved. Happy with that point, Greg? It's okay, okay. I think it was two teams that neither really looked like they were going to score in the end. Fair results. Just like to see you go. <laughs> it's worrying, isn't it? So far, what, four, yeah. four games in. Yeah. Two goals against Swindon, who are poor. Yeah. We just they don't they look like scoring, do we? We didn't create anything very much tonight. It was just, as soon as we got to the final third, it was, it was lost. Half chances after half chances, but... Not a bad point on the road, I suppose. Not a bad start this season. Five, five points out of nine. It's OK. Solid. Last 20 minutes were pretty hard to watch, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. It was just hoof up, long ball, both teams. Their physicality, they were getting out run at times and out muscle. But it was, it's a fair result. I can't, I can't complain too much. Nicely cloth on the pitch too. Yeah, it, it looks like he's, uh, he's got something about him. He's a little bit lightweight. Um, Goes down quite easy, but um, hopefully uh, they start banging the goals in. Starting Saturday. Yeah. 
So there you have it. All the all the audio, the sound, the the, the feel of the game the other night. Two hundred eighty odd Carlisle fans there made a hell of a racket. To be fair, mm. um, but again, denied goals. I've been to three three games this season out the four, and I've managed to miss both the goals by being to the games <laughs> where no one's scored. Mike, it's a uh, sod's law, that isn't it? But mm. but yeah, I think it's fair to say. Uh, a decent point against a team I think we all fancy to do okay this season. Um, but, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's... I think the standout for me is just the defence impressing again. It's yeah. So good. I mean, for, for me, sort of at this stage of the season, uh, building up a bit of an unbeaten run and a few clean sheets, it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because yeah. like s- seven games in, if you're playing a team that's sort of 20th and you're up in the playoff places and you're not conceding many goals, that team in 20th is going to sort of be sitting back a lot more against yeah. you and and then, you know, in turn, maybe not scoring themselves. So, yeah, uh, you know, we're, we're just sort of building that and, you know, as uh, to whip out the old cliche, if you draw your away games and you can win your home games, even though we obviously beat Swindon away and, yeah. and drew uh, the home game, but you know what I mean. Uh, if we if we can do that, then you know we're gonna be, we're gonna be right up there. Obviously, we'll touch on the late Norwich game later. But if, you know, if you win that game mm. the weekend, that's your average two points from your first each game yeah, exactly. first four games. Yeah, dream, dream world, isn't it? Really, you're mm. more than more than happy with that. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. About having a strong defense is just the, probably the most important thing I think for a team at the start of the season. Because mm. I mean, if you start the season. Where you're scoring goals, but you're also conceding them. Getting into the habit of not conceding goals is so much harder than actually getting into yeah. the habit of scoring goals. Because mm. you know, if you're not conceding them, you're comfortable. Like, okay, we're not going to lose the games, and you get more confident as you get. You can push forward a bit more and attack a bit more. So, fair play. I've, I've no made issue at all with the fact that we've got a strong defensive foundation. Uh, and likewise as well. If if you're struggling to concede goals, teams are having to bomb more players forward to try and score against you, which exactly. in turn lets you know opens up gaps at the back for us to to hopefully uh, beat. Yeah, we've always been quite strong in the counter attack over the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I said, defense impressed again. William and McDonald are forming a, a really, really good partnership at the back. It's I kind of feel for Morgan Feeney there because he, he did so well against Sheffield United, but I, I don't fancy his chances of getting into the start eleven for a no. while unless there's an injury mm. in there because mm. you would not break up that partnership. I, I, I genuinely think on McDonald, it's time he got a bit more praise from our fans and a bit more credit. I, I think he's one hell of a summer signing this summer. Who, who did who did we sign him from? He's, <laughs> you think uh, he's a, one hell of a player. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he was that bad last season. Look, I think no, he had his, no, he had his dodgy moments. I'm not going to deny that. But mm. I think Beach has commented, and a lot of the fans commented. He, he he wasn't out of shape last season, any any shape or form. But he mm. looks even leaner. He looks even like he, he's really worked on it. And mm. we all know he hasn't got any pace. But he's he's a league two centre back. League two centre backs mm. don't have pace generally. If they do, mm. they're usually young ones who end up progressing and going off elsewhere. And yeah. and he, what he does, when a player looks like he's going to beat for pace, he's very good actually at then moving into space to deny him a potential opportunity to attack. So yeah. essentially he lets him run off to the wing and he'll sort of cut across and cut the, cut the space off. That's the thing that McDonald is really good at doing, to be fair. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I, like I said, I, I, think he, I think he needs to get more credit from our fans because the first four games he's probably been close to man of the match in, or first three games at least that he's played yeah. in. He's been close to man of the match in all three of them. He's, he's winning all uh, uh, his headers. And, yeah. yeah, and to be fair, I think he is starting to get some of that praise that he that he deserves yeah. as well. Yeah, and I think he's. I think he, everyone's 
greatly praising Whelan for how well he's done playing at centre-back for not the first time in his career, but the first time he's probably regularly played a run mm. of games there. But I think McDonald's playing a big part in that. He's, he's mm. almost not guiding him through games, but he's there to give a bit of advice and stuff like that. Um, full credit to the two full-backs as well on Tuesday night. I mean, Jack Armour, the tackle he made, the last-ditch one, was incredible. Admittedly, mm. it's probably come from him making a mistake in the first place and letting Warrell in and whatnot, but... To get back and not just win the tackle, but win the goal kick as well. Mm, mm. Incredible. And that that should have been a goal. I can imagine unexpected goals that would have been up close to a one, I think, in terms of the stats. Mm. But mm. brilliant tackle. And and Tanner just, you know, he looked our best goal scoring threat. <laughs> he had two or three mm. shots that, I mean, one the keeper palmed uh, over the bar and then two shots from distance that went just wide of the post. So... Mm. You know, he 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 started the season really strongly, and you know, because end of last season he he looked a bit off the pace in some games. He didn't look like he quite recovered from his injury and stuff like that. But you know, fair play to the lad. Um, got to mention Joe Riley again. That's probably the fourth game in a row he's strong contender for one of the match. Yeah, he's 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 really stepped up after being left out of that first game, and the. The way he performed really impressed me because he was he was the one driving us forward. He was the one who was getting the ball and looking for the forward pass all the time because mm. Callum Guy's been a bit nullified this season, hasn't he? And mm. I think that the the height we've lost in the team, losing the likes of Zanzala, Coyote and Hayden and their aerial presence, all three of them, that's really costing us a bit at the moment, isn't it? I mean, that's one of the reasons why we're maybe yeah. struggling to score goals. Yeah, there's been a few games and a few sort of chances and a few balls that have gone across the box that have sort of had you think, if that was Zanzala, would that have been yeah. a goal, maybe? You know, uh, but, I mean, the the sort of lack of goals, I wouldn't say it's a, a total mystery, but, I mean, you look at the attacking quality of our full-backs, you, ca- yeah. you can't dispute that for one second, can you? Yeah. You can't dispute the ability of Guy, Riley, Mellish in midfield... Yeah. At all, you know, um, and you know, having someone like Alessandro in the team, he's going to create chances for someone to score. Mm-hmm. It, you know, where are the goals? Sort of like what's going on? It, the front three is the bit that's concerning me a bit at the moment. Mm. I think, as individuals, all three of them are good players. I've mm. no issue there at all. I think they're all three good footballers. I don't think it works as a three, and I think we've seen that over the first three games. Mm. I think. Clough being injured obviously is one of the reasons why that's happened and mm. you know, Mampal is probably not quite ready. Toure was left out of the squad for this game, so mm. Young could come in. Um yeah, I, I feel like I feel like he needs to change it up a little bit. I think mm. I, I think for, for the game of the weekend, definitely, I wouldn't go with that free again. I mean Dickinson's had a, a decent start to the season, but he's often getting the ball out of the wing and he's whipping a crossing and there's no one in there to head it. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's not his fault. But then, mm. yes, the question, well, do you maybe take him out of the team and put maybe almost like a an inverted winger there, someone like a Torre who's going to maybe mm. be a bit more direct and go towards goal? Mm. But who's going to be there in the middle of him? Then you basically tell Abraham, just stay there. Mm. And, I, and I find Alessandro, I really like Alessandro as a player. We, we've raved about him last season and how, yeah. you know, when, we, when he played well, we played well. But he does have a habit of slowing the game down and he yeah. gets the ball and... There was the number of times you're probably hearing that audio clip from from the game mm. where he just wasn't shooting, and there was a, mm. there was one occasion where he had a really good chance to get a shot off, and, and he just he did a little turn again, and then he played a pass. I'm like, mm. that's where you need a clinical striker, someone there. Yeah. If Zanzal is there, he has a go at goal there, definitely, hundred percent, definitely has a go. Mm. So I wonder if you maybe take Alessandro out of the team just for a little bit and mm. put someone in there who's going to be a bit more direct and just have a go when they can. Yeah. 
But I mean, it's, inter- it's interesting how you incorporate Clough when he comes back because yeah. obviously Alessandro's been playing on the left a bit. Like, do you? I mean, the Bolton fans that I work with say, do not play Clough on the left, basically, mm. uh, which uh, seemed to be something that Beach alluded to that you can do. But uh, yeah, uh, so, you know, because obviously you can't drop Riley. Mm. You know, you like having Mellish in there for because yeah. he just terrifies defences. So, you know, do you maybe play Clough as that sort of number nine main striker, perhaps? I don't know. I don't know, because I think you'd almost be like a false nine there. And then you've got the issue of... That, if you do that, then basically what you need is you need to tell Mellish, don't you worry too much about doing your, def- your, your defensive sort of midfield role. Mm. Work. You just get in the box. When, yeah, when, yeah. when Clough drops deep to get the ball as a, as a false nine, you just get in the box because you're going to get on the end of stuff. You're going to win your headers and stuff like that. Because yeah. at the moment, we are relying heavily on him and his physical presence and McDonald's from like long throws mm. to flick stuff on. Mm. That's what we're massively relying on. So we need other players mm. to sort of take a bit of the, the strain off them, basically. So, mm. so yeah. yeah. Um, just quickly touching on Port Vale. Strong side, quite impressed with some of the stuff they did. But like us... Absolutely no goal scoring threat. I mean, mm. David Worrell was a nuisance down the right all evening and he really, really looked strong. But the amount of times he was putting balls in the box and there was no one there for them. And Jamie Proctor did not have a great game for them. It's mm. one I looked at and I thought, if he was available to us in the summer, I wouldn't have signed him based on no. that. He just was, didn't impress me at all. Um, mm. Someone who did impress us was David Amu when he came on. And that, Port Vale fans seemed to like him as well. They had the old moo mm. chance for him, <laughs> as you'll hear from the audio just before. But he, I didn't realise he'd hit the post. We thought, Norman had actually spilled his shot, mm. but it was a shot that hit the post. And he, mm. he looked at as soon as he came on, Tanner actually had something to worry about because mm. Tanner had, I think, Devante Rodney got their man in the match, yet Tanner had him in his back pocket for most of the game. Mm. It was bizarre, it was really bizarre, but there you go. Um, but yeah, so like I said, it was good to see Clough come on, a bit quiet as you'd expect, really, you know, coming back from injury and coming up against a very physical, strong defense. He was, he didn't really get into the game much. Um, and nice to see Brad Young make his debut. And uh, yeah, interestingly, he, he put one on Leon Leg about five minutes after coming on. And mm. Leon Leg's a big lad, and he he was quite happy to go in on the physical with him. So yeah, that, that's yeah. an encouraging sign for. I mean, he's only five foot nine, five foot ten, young. So yeah, definitely. I mean, we've seen so many times with these under twenty three strikers, haven't we? That they're just yeah. sort of not up for the physical fight of League Two football. But you know, as long as he's up for that, then you know, it's it's only a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think that sums up the uh, the Port Vale game. Then Mike, I think both yeah. agreed. D- decent point would have been nice to maybe nick it, but unbeaten start and another clean sheet, two clean sheets in three games. You can't really argue that, can you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you say, I think we all predicted Port Vale to do well. So you know, uh, an away point against what could well be a promotion contender at the end of the season, we might may well look back on it and think, yeah, it's good that we didn't lose that one. Yeah, definitely. Okay, let's take a short break and then we'll be back with the Leighton Orient preview. Hi, this is George Tanner. You are listening to the Brunton Bugle. And we're back for part two. Um, as we've been saying in every episode this uh, season, our second half of the episode sponsor is the Cali United Supporters Club London Branch. London Branch is open to all Cali United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore. And of course, every part of London and the South East and even a few in Cumbria as well. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events and sports games and do quite a lot of fundraising for the club as well. They'll be providing us with information for away games as part of the preview section of Season 2. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, carlislelondonbranch.org. 
Okay then, Mike, let's get into the uh, Leighton Orient preview. And uh, first up, I caught up with uh, Brendan and Julian from the Lowdown podcast for about the sixth time this calendar year, I think, something like that, because <laughs> we, we, we did quite a few bits of them last season with all the games that were postponed. Um, yeah, just to catch up with them and see how things have gone over the summer, because it seems to be uh, quite an exciting time for Leighton Orient fans after the arrival of Kenny Jacket as manager. So here's the chat I had with them earlier this week. So guys, the O's over the summer uh, made the decision to move away from sort of going for sort of young and inexperienced coaches to go for a, an experienced head. And are you probably fair to say that you're quite happy with the job that Kenny Jacket's done so far down at Brisbane Road? Yeah, we're we're buzzing with Kenny Jacket. To be honest, I mean, we 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 had many calls during the last like probably eighteen months or so of get an experienced manager and get this get someone who's managed before and, and kind of you kind of brush it off as as a fan and think, oh maybe we can't there's no real top draw experienced managers out there and, and people mention people like Kenny Jacket and, and people think, oh he, he will never come to us and then to see him turn up was quite a shock and quite kind of quite a sign of our ambition for the season to come. And then we've seen over these last few games just We've only we've drawn two and won one, but we just look like a different side completely this season. It's clear he's having an effect. I, yeah, I actually agree. I, I think, do you know what? There's always a debate, isn't there? You know, trying to give a, a young uh, manager an opportunity, and we've seen it across the the, the the EFL where there's opportunity for guys coming in and doing a good job, right? So that that it's it's, it's proven. We will look at we look at Cambridge, we look at uh, now Forest Green, and we look at. Uh, other teams in the league, but you can even look at ourselves. Uh, we brought Beach and yeah, the yeah. managerial experience. So yeah, good, good point, good point, good point. It's all about us. This one, you so we're talking about Orient, you know, <laughs> yeah. jokes. Yeah. So so that that bit. But when 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 the odds were on with Kenny coming through, it's like, oh wow, that's that's unbelievable. Really, a guy that's just coached in the Championship. You know, he's not been out of the job too long. Uh, he's very well versed. I think it comes with a with a, a bit of a sort of uh, as a poison chalice as well, doesn't it? You you, you yeah. have that type of type of leadership. So the expectations, Orient fans, we are the worst, as Brendan will tell you. You know, we we expect top draw absolutely. And but I think from what we've seen over the last few games, the QPR Cup game where we should have won, um, the, the Salford away where we we competed, and then sort of the home game with Exeter. Um, it's it's not the Kenny Jacket team that everyone says it's going to be. It's going to be a big man up front, which we've got a big man up front now. But it's not going to be that long ball, long ball, long ball. It's going to be a little bit more around, sort of put it on the park. On the park. And and if I if I've got to be honest, I've been really impressed. But the other side of it, my only concern will be and continue to be is that there's a lot of pressure on Kenny because of who he is and what he's trying to achieve. And there's a lot of pressure on the club. And I just really hope we don't sort of capitulate or, or, or sort, of, sort of fall on our swords sort of come Christmas time where it's not quite working. But what we've seen thus far, I'm in the camp of the Oge fan. He's sort of singing and dancing. I think we'll do a good job. And Kenny will do a good job with that. I think it's quite similar to the Clough appointment at Mansfield, isn't it? It's one of those ones that makes the rest of the leagues up and go, wow. They're taking it seriously this year, aren't they? So, and I'll, as you mentioned about the football, there, I think we've all seen the the third goal you guys scored against uh, Exeter and the lovely passing move that led to that, albeit with some fairly slack defending by Exeter. I think it's fair to say on that goal. <laughs> um, there's not been a, a massive amount of transfer activity over the summer. I think Jacket sort of looked and he's done quite a good coaching job with your existing squad, but he's also brought a few key players in, and I think 
one that really stands out to me is Darren Prattley. He's a player I've always really admired and really liked it. I mean, a level above this, and he looks a real good find for you. Yeah, um, Kenny worked with Prattley before at Swansea mm. uh, when he was when he was just a kid, and I think I doubt he would have dropped down to Orient if Kenny wasn't there. I think it was the kind of signing where you can tell like that's kind of the calibre of manager Kenny is that he can bring in these players, and he's been excellent so far. Obviously, we lost Joby McEnough, who was our manager, was our best yeah. player, was our captain. So he was kind of that older, experienced pro that did everything. Um, we needed that kind of replacement. And it's a big role for Prattley to fill, but he's done brilliantly so far. And I think playing alongside someone like Hector Kipriani, who's young and gets about the pitch a lot, I think it's a really good partnership. And yeah, I've got, I've got no complaints for Prattley so far. I think Prattley, absolutely what Brendan says there, you know, he is he is uh, in the mould of Joby McEnough regards to his, his age, his professionalism. He's not a Joby McEnough by any shape or form. He's a different player altogether. Um, I've said this previously on our podcast, and I think the, the best signing we made all summer was our keeper. He is retaining mm. him, so yeah. he was out of, out of contract, and, and as pre-season kicked off, there was still rumours that he was still bouncing around, but we, we managed to get it over the line. So, for me, Lawrence Figaro is already... Um, done a great job in three games. He's kept us in games. He's he's proved his worth. He's saved a penalty already against Exeter. So that that for me is a great signing. But you you look what we needed last year, and um, it's very very much we have looked around and made sure we've got better. And I think Kenny said it many times now is that he's only going to sign the player who is better than what we already got. And and that's a, and that's that's something which I admire because yeah we do have some talent already there some talent younger talent so let's give them the opportunity but if there's a a, a better 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 player out there in our budget and we'll sit and, and in that the Kenny mould he's bringing it in so I, I, I he has made some really astute signings um, and and I think long way that continue and I think they all seem to be buy, buying into the, the Kenny jacket philosophy Is there any areas you still think you need to strengthen because the one thing that I mean we did our pre-season or season preview even a, a few weeks ago and I think actually at least one of us actually predicted you guys to make the playoffs because we felt that jacket was the kind of manager who could lift you but one thing we all did point out was you'd lost three key players in attack in obviously Brophy uh, Wilkinson and Johnson. Now, obviously, Johnson didn't have the greatest second half of the season, but he still had a good first half of the season. Do you think, Brendan, there's any areas you still need to strengthen, potentially? I think we probably would have agreed with you before the start of the season. I think you look at the two strikers we brought in, Aaron Drinnan and Harry Smith, neither mm. of them are prolific goal scorers. No. Neither of them have scored more than 10 goals in the league season before this one. But we've seen Aaron Drinnan play every game so far up front and he's looked excellent. You couldn't have no complaints about what he's done so far. I mean, he's run, he's done what we expected of him was to be a runner to hold the ball up and, and kind of play this pressing football that Jackie wants to do. But he's got a couple of goals now. He's got an assist and he's looking like a real threat. So I think the biggest issue with me with this squad at the minute is the depth is is, is the problem. Yeah. If we get a few injuries, we could be in trouble because, like you say, we lost a lot of players in the summer and we haven't quite replaced as many as, as, as we've lost. So if there are injuries, it's going to be a case of kind of throwing in young players who, who perhaps aren't that experienced. Mm. But... We've signed a guy called um, Omotoyo from Norwich who's going to add a little bit more depth and, and hopefully I think we'll see one or two more that might ease that worry. A forward line is always going to be a struggle with any club, isn't it? Your club, no different to ours. It's just that you you want those players to come in. Drilling pre-season was, was definitely... Um, 
a split in opinion with the fans, but since he's, the season started, do you know what? If he keeps in the vein and keeps the, the intensity that he's been doing over the last three games, I, I can see a fantastic season for him. Also, a player that's had sort of a bit of a niggly injury is Paul Smith we got from QPR. Mm. Um, yeah, I like him, and I saw him at Salford, and I thought, aye, aye. Uh, but then we go and sort of, not surpass that, but also bringing in another player that, in my opinion, is, is definitely head and shoulders above those around him. So it's old Theo Archibald, so he's, he's on loan to us from, from Lincoln. And already we're starting to see some good things from him. But then that peppered in with what we already got, I'm, I'm quite confident. But as, as, as Brendan said, and I think this is every O fan says the same, if we get a string of injuries like we have done over previous seasons, yeah. we're going to be screwed, you know, because we don't have the strength in depth um, because our end depth is, is fairly young. And again, in this league, as you know yourselves, it's a tough old league and sticking young lads in there, and especially in a February, you know, I won't say choosing that away at Carlisle because we're doing it <laughs> early in the season. But if you know what I mean, it's sort of choosing that away on a real muddy pitch, it's going to be a struggle for the O's. Yeah, I mean, when you looked at your fixtures when they came out in July, or, sorry June even, you probably look at those opening three fixtures, including the, the cup game, and think it's a, it's a tough start back because obviously Salford are a much fancied team, QPR from the Championship, and Exeter. I think everybody expects to, to do well this season. But coming out the other side of it, you know, a, a decent draw at Salford and QPR taking them to penalties and absolutely battering Exeter at home. You must be pretty chuffed with that. I mean, what what could we expect from this Lane or inside this weekend? I think I think if if you're a, if you're a Carlisle fan and, and you just hear that reputation of Kenny Jacket, like Julian said earlier, you think long ball direct, go play a big target man. Now we've got a six foot six bloke, Harry Smith, who made his debut last week, and he might well start, and we might completely change tact. But so far, it's been kind of possession-based, a little bit direct when we need to be, but not direct for the sake of being direct. It's kind of balls into the channels for the wingers. And it's been it's been impressive stuff so far. I think Saturday was probably, for me, the best I've seen us play for years. I think we were talking about in our group chat, it's probably the best since we were kind of under Russell Slade in League One in the 13-14 season, I think, for my money. So we're, we're quietly a little bit getting a bit excited, getting a bit optimistic, but... By no means we're not. We're going to be taking you guys seriously because we know you've had a bit of kind of a, a rebirth again this season under Chris Beach. No, listen for me. For me, I, me and Brendan are very, very much on the same page. Um, I, I would imagine we slightly change it up a bit on Saturday, but I don't think he's going to make too many changes because well, yeah. why would you change a, a winning formula? True. Um, and the sort of the, the sort of the, the new guys come in, I think we'll see him. Our bit in the last last not the last maybe in three games, the, the earlier games is the bench looked a bit weak, but now the bench looks a little bit more sort of attractive and hopefully both Smiths are available Saturday, so that means the bench will be quite sort of strong. So that that'll be good. And also Adam Thompson a, a sort of a, a long term injury um uh hopefully will be um, back very soon. He's in, he's in training again. So that defence is strong. Uh, midfield, we've got some creativity in there. Plus, we've got some, as I said, Prattley we spoke about. But yeah, Saturday, I, I'm expecting the, the same as we have against Exeter. Before we get on to predictions for the game, I'm going to ask you uh, for a quick word on Tristan Abrahams. We obviously signed him in the summer. He started out with you guys, didn't he? Um, 
been a bit hit and miss for us so far, I think it's fair to say. He's, he's, he's looked good in games and looked a bit frustrating in others. What was he like with you guys? What were your memories of him? Yeah, I think hit and miss kind of sums it up a bit. I think on his day, he can look really good. He's clearly got like the the physical presence and the attributes there to be a, a really good striker at this level. I think sometimes he just lacks that kind of goal-scoring threat. There'll be games, especially we played at the kind of back end of last season where Joby played him um, instead of Danny Johnson and, and he just he, he went missing a little bit and that was the kind of shame that he never really took his opportunity. But pleased to see he's got another EFL move with your, you guys because there's clearly something in there. You just need a manager who's going to be patient with him and kind of coax him out, which hopefully Chris Beach will do now. For me, exactly the same. I think also I feel he's been played out of position quite a bit at the Orient. Mm-hmm. And when you go back to him before he left us for Norwich um, as a youth player, yeah. I really liked him. You know, in, in, in our travel, travel couple of years, especially the last year under the um, previous regime, um, he dug in and, and sort of, performed you know and he really stood out as a young young dynamic striker and I think he's bounced around hasn't he he's been sort of to Norwich they didn't quite work out and then he's, and he's been on loan and he's been down to Newport back to us Newport back to, to you so I, I think now as he matures and gets a little bit older I really feel I really feel that you, you'll see a better of him from this season than we saw of him last season but it's, it's the kiss of death really Lee is that we sponsored him he was, and then he, as soon as we sponsored <laughs> Him, he becomes like the worst player, like um, Nick Freeman. We got on loan from 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 Wick, and we sponsored him, and and then he became an absolute load of rubbish for us. So, listen, he'll do really well now. He's got no sponsorships, or I may see. I look on your website and see if he's not sponsored and sponsor him again this season. <laughs> so he actually stays <laughs> being absolutely useless <laughs> for the rest of the year. But no, he's a good lad, and I think yeah. I think he's matured a lot, and I think he's got a lot to prove. So I really hope he gets an opportunity at Carlisle. Well, he, last night he, he was hit and miss against Paul Bailey. He had one moment we did brilliantly to win a win a throw in on the left wing in attack, and we could have taken a quick one. And he took a foul throw, <laughs> and it was the most blatant foul throw you've ever seen, and it was so frustrating. But I think that sort of sums up because there was other moments where he was looked unplayable. So there you go. Uh, okay, then let's have your score predictions for the game, guys. Brendan, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go. I've seen your results and I think like you're keeping things tight, but you're back to kind of playing at your best. And I think it's going to be a real challenge for us. I think especially it's always tough going to Carlisle just purely because of the miles. So I'll go one all. I think it'll be a, it'll be an even game and I think it'll be a share of the spoils. Yeah, my, my thoughts are sort of very similar, a draw. Um, I'm just looking on the weather forecast and sadly it's not going to snow, so it won't be called off, so <laughs> it will go ahead. Uh, I think we'll get a good following as well because it's, everyone fancies likes to go Carlisle away, especially if it's on a Saturday, not on a Tuesday. So that, that looking forward to that. I think we'll still be busy. I still think we'll be um, positive in front of the goal, but I think you guys will give us the, probably the, the, the hardest challenge we've had so far this season. So for me, it's a Desmond's a 2-2. Well, I've been to three games so far this season and I've still not seen a score a goal. So it's probably going to be 3-3 free, free now. <laughs> no, yeah. I think that's how it goes with us, doesn't it, really? We, none of us can get this right. So, But no, I do think it'll be an entertaining, entertaining, entertaining game for, for, for the fans that are in the stadium. Cheers, guys. Cheers, mate. OK, thanks to Brendan and Julian for taking up uh, a bit of their time as well to, to speak to us. Um, always good to catch up with them. Hoping to catch up with a couple of the game this week. And actually, I don't think either Brendan or Julian are actually coming up. But I think a couple of the other lads are there. So maybe get a little recording with them before the match and uh, we'll, we'll have that in next week's episode. Uh, on to the game itself. Uh, let's look at the officials first, Mike. Uh, a familiar name is referee this weekend, isn't it? 
Bobby Madley. Um, he of mm. um, the offensive joke that got him sacked as a, a Premier League referee, didn't it? Uh, a couple of years ago. <laughs> there was a lot of, uh, quite mm. frankly, unfair rumours about him spreading around, weren't they? Uh, prior to actually the story mm. coming out. He, he disappeared, went over to Norway, because I think he's, he's, he's his wife or girlfriend or something from Norway, I think. I think he, he went over That's to there to referee for a bit. And everyone's like, why is he moving out? That's a bit of a weird one. And then it emerged that <laughs> basically he'd been disciplined as for, for a joke he'd mm. made on Snapchat or something like that. If you, if you Google it, you can find out exactly what happened, basically. But he, he was always mm. a sort of hit and miss referee for me. He could be a bit arrogant in games when I'd seen him. But actually, I mean, if you get to Premier League level, you're generally not a poor referee most of the time. You're usually quite yeah. official. I mean, a lot of like big games that we've had that have called in a Premier League referee, the golfing quality is clearly oh yeah i mean like things like basically things like fitness they look at a level above they 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 spot little things and the the way they actually manage the game as well you notice it It, it, it's very clear just how Mm. much better they are than than your usual efl referees basically but but yeah i mean i I haven't been able to because i think he, he he basically last refereed in england in i think it was 27 the 2017-18 season and then he just randomly okay. disappeared for those few years over to uh, mm. to Norway. Um, I've not been able to find out when he last refereed. I think he refereed his last season for a game, possibly. Or he might have been fourth official in a game. But there you go. Mm. Uh, head-to-head record. Um, one of the rare ones, again, that United are actually ahead in terms of head-to-head. We've won 23. Uh, there's been 14 draws. And later on, we've won 21 times. Interestingly, um, we've played them a lot more than we've played Port Vale. Which is a bit of a surprise. Mm. I was like, I would have thought we would have played Port Vale more, but Port Vale, I think we've always been in balance in terms of divisions between us, whereas with Leighton Orient, especially in recent years, yeah. we've generally been in the same division, except when they've been down to the uh, the National League. Um, classic mm. clash for this one. I've gone back 19 years to January 2002. <laughs> I think this was even before you were watching United, wasn't it? Possibly. Or would you start watching on that end? I started watching yeah. before, but I wasn't going to a yeah. lot of games at this so, point. So uh, this is uh, so back into the period when United were well and truly dross. And actually, only 2,955 fans turn up for this game. So anyone who complains about low crowds now, they seem to forget <laughs> that in the early noughties, we were struggling to get 3,000 fans for a lot of games. 2,500 was often mm. an average for for games around about this time. Um and they turned up to see the Blues hammer the O's 6-1 at Brunton Park. Um, United were just starting to turn the corner with Roddy Collins after he recalled Ian Stevens from the transfer list. I think he recalled him just before Christmas and I think he scored a goal against um, Scunthorpe in a 3-0 win. I think he set up a couple of goals for Richie Foran in that game. Um, and he was the hero in this game alongside his strike partner, Richie Foran. They, they were forming a really good partnership around about this time. And mm. it was kind mm. of a shame that Stevens left at the end of the season because another season out of him with... Foreign alongside him. Foreign might have really developed into a really... I mean, he was a good player, but maybe a different player than he actually ended up being. Um, well, I think it was the season after he left us. He scored 19 in a season for Inverness, I yeah, think. R- Richie uh, Ferran, I think. He did well for Inverness, I think. He played more as a winger, I think, yeah. for them, though, rather than a... In fact, a central midfielder quite mm. a lot, too. Um, and he took a lot of he pens. He did, yeah, that, that was a fair point. Um, I mean, we'll put the YouTube highlights up to this. They're not great quality, because back then they weren't recorded in, or put on the internet in very good quality, but it was an absolute pudding of a pitch, wasn't it, Mike? <laughs> back then, I mean, you mm. look at the surface we had mm. now, we, we should be so grateful for the job that uh, David Mitchell does and the, the money that the club actually does put into the pitch 
every season because it's yeah. just it's light night and day between the two of them. Um, United actually took the lead in the second minute when Peter Murphy strode into midfield and played a ball into Ian Stevens, whose touch took him away from the defender and allowed him to fire in off the post. It's 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 a typical Ian Stevens finish, isn't it? Just lovely quick touch far into mm. the bottom corner. Um, United then doubled their lead when Foran's ball into the channel found Stevens, who showed a turn of pace you would not expect from him. Uh, ran at the defence and played the ball into Steve Soli, who made no mistake with finishing to the top corner from 12 yards. Stephen grabs his second goal and United's third when Stuart Green blocked a claim to his head. <clears throat> and he actually ended up playing a free ball as a result of that header. Stephen's basically <laughs> first time calmly lobbed the keeper from the edge of the box who'd come out to try and get it. Um, really lovely finish. Defensive mix-up at the back saw then foreign Polak by a nose defender. And it was the Irishman who picked up the ball and slotted home a penalty to make it 4-0. Uh, the last goal before the break saw Stevens complete his hat-trick round about the half-an-hour mark. Um, Murphy was sent away on the left by Brendan McGill. His cross found Stevo, whose initial header was actually saved, but as he was falling backwards, he just about scuffs the ball. It goes over the line like about dribble, dribbling pace, basically. Um, and yeah, it was a hat-trick, and that made a... That was his third hat-trick under three different managers at Carl United. I don't think many mm. players would have that record. Um, second no, half was a bit quieter. Wayne Gray grabbed a consolation for the O's, but uh, the five-goal margin was restored when Florence persistence saw a free ball from Miguel slotted into the back of the net by the pint-sized winger. A um, couple of interesting other things to note from this game. A, a young Jabo Abere was playing up front with Wayne Gray in that game, and at the back, Dean Smith was playing centre-back, the Aston Villa manager for Leighton Orange. So, mm. yeah, there you go. Um, in terms of play for both, Dan hasn't been able to send anything over for this because he, he's on, on a train over to Newcastle this morning, I think, and the, the noise was a bit too much. He sent his predictions. They are a bit noisy, but but there you go. Um, so, so yeah, in terms of play for both, there's a long list here, and I'll go through them. He's picked one out for me to, to discuss. It's not actually as long as the other ones have been. Um, first up, obviously, Tristan Abrahams, we all, we all know, uh, playing for United now, started his career at Leighton Orient and then went to Norwich, uh, went to Newport County, had a loan back at Leighton Orient last season, now he's with the Blues. Um, Nicky Adams, surprise, I didn't realise he'd played for, for Leighton Orient, but uh, no. No, especially since Northampton was too far away <laughs> from his family. Yeah, that's unusual, man, <laughs> isn't it? There you go. Uh, ben Anik, yeah. probably more famous for some of his antics off the pitch than on them. Uh, <laughs> Do not Google those ones, whatever you do, if you're, if you're under 18 especially. Um, Stan Bowles, pro- probably the best player to have played for both clubs, you'd imagine, I think, if you're, you're picking on the list here. Uh, Sean mm. Brisley, now playing at the back with uh, Aaron Hayden at Wrexham. Um, Jamal mm. Campbell-Rice, to be honest, when I saw when I thought about players who played for both clubs before, Jamal Campbell-Rice will have done, definitely. Because he sounds the kind of player who's played for yeah. Leighton Orient at some point in his career, doesn't he? But there you go. Uh, yeah. Derek Clark, uh, one of the Clark brothers, obviously, who played for them. Um, Mervyn Day, uh, he had a spell there, um, I think towards the start of his career, possibly. Uh, Mark Ellis, he had a loan spell there from us, didn't he? Uh, Leighton Orient, I seem to remember. Oh, yeah, when they were in the Yeah, I think he was, was he part of the team that got promoted, yeah. possibly. I can't remember, but he basically, yeah. he's basically, if you want to get promoted from the conference, you take him on loan, don't you, essentially? That's the way it works. Yeah. Um, Steve Finney, well, I think we mentioned him last week with the Swindon one as well. David Galloway, I think he played for us before the Second World War. So that's going back quite a way. Les Gore. Uh, Anthony Griffith, again, another one that was mentioned recently. Um, Phil Hadland, he had a very short spell with the Blues. I think uh, just a short spell with Orient. Jabbo, got to mention Jabbo. Jabbo Abire, he's one of them. Uh, Michael yeah. Michael Little, I didn't realize he gone down that far. I mean, he, that's going back quite a mm. while, isn't it? Michael Little, was it 2008, 2009, he played for us on loan from Sunderland. 
Yeah, he, look, he looked yeah, all right. He wasn't didn't the he? biggest I've seen to him. I think he grew quite a bit over the years. I think no. he might play centre back towards the mm. end of his career. Um, Tom Parks, obviously, he, he was with us a few seasons ago. He, he was at Orient for a while. Um, Bob Spot is what he's one I always like to mention because uh, he played in the first ever Cal United team back in 1903, 1904. Um, he played for Clapton Orient, as they were called back then. Um, but he also managed Inter Milan. He was the first ever Englishman to manage Inter Milan. <laughs> and we're going to do a special episode on him at some point because. His story is quite an interesting one because there's a lot of uh, in, uh, naughtiness in terms of gambling and match fixing uh, back in the day. So very interesting story, that one. And Luke Weaver started his career late in Orange, um, went to Sunderland, came to us. And you know what? A lot of people talk about him as a rubbish keeper now. I think a lot of them forget how good he was in his first season with us. He was outstanding. Like mm. we would have gone down to mm. the conference in the 99-0 season if he hadn't been so good for the games he played. Fortunately, mm. he had his injury issues and then Ian Atkins just didn't rate him and wanted him out of the club and effectively forced him out in the end. He wasn't just wasn't having it. Mm. Um, the one I didn't mention there is the one that Dan wanted to do as his thing. It's Leon McSweeney. There's one going back, isn't mm. he, Mike? He was a interesting player, wasn't he? he um, so he, he start, he's, a, he's an Irish lad. He's a sort of defending midfielder. Started out at Cork City. Didn't actually play a first-team game for them. Then went to Leicester City. Um, again, didn't actually play a first-team game for Leicester, but then went to Scarborough. He's four games there. Went to Hucknall Town in non-league. He did a little bit of a non-league tour, actually. In fact, he basically swapped between mm. Hucknall Town and, and Hednesford Town. He, he had a season at Hucknall, mm. 23 games, 4 goals. Then he went to Hednesford, 43 games and 15 goals. Back to Hucknall for 17 games and 3 goals. Then back to Hednesford for 19 games and 4 goals. So he moved between them. Mm. Then he went to Ilkeston Town. He had 36 games there and 12 goals. He, quite a few goals from midfield, actually, when you look back here. Yeah, and he was quite defensive-minded yeah. as well, wasn't he, if yeah. I recall? and then he, had a, he went back to Ireland and actually played some games for Cork City, 18 goals and five games. Then he got his move to Stockport County, wait. 18 goals and five no, sorry, games, that's... 18 impressive. games <laughs> and five goals, sorry. <laughs> um, then, he, then he came over to England, back over to England. He had his, probably one of his best two spells were at Stockport County and Hartlepool over like a, a few seasons where he played 47 games for the Hatters and scored five. Uh, he played 77 for Hartlepool and scored three. Then he had his spell at Leighton Orient with 61 games. He didn't score any goals there. So this is probably the point where he starts to become a bit more of a defensive player, you'd imagine. Um, came to United uh, for, I think, basically the sort of second half of the 2013-14 season when we got relegated. He played his eight games. Um, left the club. I, th- I, th- I think he was there earlier in the season because I think there was that away game at Shrewsbury. Was that earlier I, think- I thought it was later in the season. So I can't remember. I th- yeah, I thought it was earlier, and I know that it was on at fault for well, one of the. I think goals it was the one at the end, wasn't it, where we we took the lead for Ryan Hanlon and then yeah, the kickoff, yeah. they humped it forward and he missed yeah, the header yeah, or something, yeah. and they got in. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he yeah. played mostly right back a lot for us, didn't he? In his time with us, yeah, yeah he did. And yeah. Uh, then he went to Northampton, had his eighteen games there, and he's never played since. So not sure exactly ex- where he's gone now. It looks like he basically, when you look actually his Wikipedia page, he, he played a lot in. in when he was playing those non-league games, he was actually, I think he was at uh, Loughborough University or someone like that, I think, essentially. So he's basically mm. playing for university teams and that's uh, what he was doing, essentially, at that time. Um, so, yeah, so these days, um, no idea what he's doing. There's, there's, there's no evidence to show he's up to anything. So, so there you go. So that's um, Liam McSweeney. Um, let's move on to the late Norrin game then quickly, Mike. Let's have a quick run through this. Um yeah, made steady progress since returning to the EFL two seasons ago with 17th and 11th play finish. Obviously, the 17th place was the season that was curtailed early. Um, they're quite an ambitious club. Their chairman, I think, is the CEO of Dunkin' Donuts in America. 
They're quite fascinating, mm. Did you know that their, their little like slogan is "America runs on Duncan," which no shit if you've been to <laughs> it America. does, doesn't it? There you go. Um, <laughs> they sacked Ross Embleton, who's quite a bit of a sort of club stalwart uh, halfway through last season. Basically, um, he'd taken over from Carl Fletcher. He'd, st- he'd done a good job steadying them, but I think they wanted to progress further. Joby McEnough did the job on a caretaker basis, um, but they opted not to keep him on at the end of the season. He retired as a player as well, and uh, they brought in an experienced coach over the summer. That coach, of course, is Kenny Jackett. And it, it's fair to say, I mean, he's alongside Nigel Clough, probably the standout managerial appointment at this level over the last couple of seasons, isn't he? He's one that you straight away go, wow, he's a good yeah. coach, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, probably the most proven manager yeah. in the league. Um, like in terms of sort of promotions and stuff, because Clough hasn't done a great deal in terms of promotions, has he? He's he's, he's done a good job at various clubs, but uh, Jacket certainly has uh, probably more promotions yeah. on his CV. But uh, as 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 them lads touched on, he, he's sort of famous for just getting results, sort of the old-fashioned mm. way. But he seems to actually be sort of adapting and playing a bit of football. Yeah, definitely. So. I mean, anyone who saw their game against. Exeter and saw the goals from it. The third goal they scores an absolute beauty. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean the Exeter defending is pretty atrocious. To be fair, they they do not look mm. like. I mean, I, I'm I'm quite glad now that I I I was one of the few. I don't know if you did, but in the preseason prediction, I didn't predict them to to finish in the promotion places at all. I didn't even know even the playoff. No, I mean, so I mean maybe, maybe we were no. right because all the other people were predicting them. So there you go. Um, not being too busy this summer, seven new faces arrived, but they've also promoted five players from their youth squad. The star man for me, it's got to be Darren Prattley. I mean, bags of experience mm. at a higher level than this. And as the lads touched on in the chat yeah. there, probably the only reason he's come to Orion is Kenny Jacket because he's worked with him before when he was at Swansea. That's probably yeah, the reason. Exactly. But mm. He's going to be their captain this season. And I think... He's going to be the most experienced player in their squad, so he'll be, he'll be vital to them doing well. Uh, other men I've picked out here, Omar Beckles has started the season really well. He's played at League 1 and League 2 level over the last four or five seasons and scored a couple of goals in the first couple of games. Uh, keeping keeper Lawrence Vigoro as well, as they mentioned that in the chat. Absolutely vital because he's probably one of the best keepers in the division last year. And forward Harry Smith, I mean, he's not going to score too many goals than probably, but as a target man, he'll probably be vital to how they, they play, even if they're, they're keeping the ball a bit more. He, the ball does stick to him and he plays around him, can then pick up pieces. So there you go. Uh, yeah, definitely. Six foot yeah, five, he's I think he is. Massive. He's, a, he's a unit, yeah. basically. So he's going to be a real challenge with Rob mm. McDonald this weekend, I think it's fair to say. And like I so said, yeah. they started the season really well. You know, Opening day, draw at Salford. I don't think you'd argue that pushing QPR to penalties in the Cup, and they probably could have won that game by all accounts, and then absolutely mm. battering Exeter at the weekend. And they're lucky yeah. that they, their game against Harrogate, obviously, was called off because of the coronavirus issues at Harrogate. So yeah, they exactly. had a week off. So they're, they're yeah. a but then argue, United could potentially argue that we've got the fitness levels because our players have played that extra game, haven't they? So, uh, so there you go. Yeah, so, yeah. But 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 as well, well you're touching on the sort of games that they've had. I mean, their last pre-season game, which is sort of the one where you going all at it and doing your best team. They yes, beat Gillingham 2-0, who, who were a, a good yeah, League definitely. 1 team. So, yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're certainly... Uh, I don't think any of us really predicted them to be I think be one of us did. I, I can't remember who. I'm sure someone picked them as the wildcard thing mm. they made the play. It might have even been you, you know. I think you might mm. have forgot you there. No, I, I did, I did Steve, Stephen uh, as my wildcard. Maybe I put Oren mm. in the playoffs based on Kenny Jackson. Mm. But there you go. Um, yeah, mm. so in terms of United, we'll just quickly gloss over this, Mike. Um... Clough's now fit. Do you bring him into the starting level for this game? It uh, depends yeah. how fit, doesn't it? Um, and, you know, like I say, a lot of the lads who play in his sort of position haven't warranted being mm. dropped. 
um, really. So, yeah, depends how. I mean, maybe sort of up it from what yeah. we gave him at, at Port Vale and give him a half. You know, like bring him on at yeah. half time or something, or or even start him and then yeah, take him off. Yeah, it's one of those time. ones. Do you, do you change formation to fit him in? Go to your four-two-three-one and have him play just behind mm. his striker. Like maybe play, give Abraham the chance to actually play as that main striker in the game rather than sort of switching him around between yeah. the wings a lot. Um, so maybe mm. you, do you drop Alessandra maybe? And then you'd have to, it's difficult, isn't it? Because like I said, who do you drop at the mm. moment? The midfield are doing pretty well. As harsh it sounds, I'd, I'd maybe probably drop Mellish because he wasn't the greatest against Portville. And I think he did well in the first couple of games, but yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one. But but he's one of them, Mellish. You know, he might not be in great form, but he'll just yeah. get into the right place yeah. at the right time. And you know, he might not be having a good game even. And then in the 80th minute, he'll just make one of them runs yeah. that'll just split defence yeah, in half. Um, yeah. So that that sums up the preview bit. So let's get on to the predictions, uh, Mike. First up, we'll do Dan. So Dan sent me this this morning. This is what his predictions. It might be noisy because he was on a train when he recorded it. So let's see what it sounds like. Apologies for the noise, everyone, while recording this. I'm just on a train to Newcastle this morning, but I'm going to go for a 3-2 win for Carlisle. Uh, proper ding-dong of a match, and I'll go for goals for Abrahams, Dickinson and Riley. There you go, that's Dan's prediction. He didn't give me the attendance. I'll get him to send mm. me that, and I'll, I'll make sure we, we, we make a note of what he wants the attendance to be. Um, Mike, what's yours? Uh, I'm going to go for 1-0 to the Blues, getting another mm-hmm. uh, clean sheet, and uh, I'll go for Joe Riley to get our goal. And at attendance, I'll go for a nice round 5,000. That's that's tactical, mm-hmm. I think. Um, yeah. For mine, I'm going to go for a... Well, to be honest, when I did it with the lads on the Lowdown podcast, on their podcast, I said a 2-1 win, so I'll stick with that. 2-1 win, Abrahams will get one of the goals, and... Uh, Clough will get a goal coming off the bench I think he'll score a goal later on um, so yeah 2-1 win an attendance of 4,427 that's, that's my prediction very exact <laughs> like I said we'll, we'll get Dan's prediction as well um, although technically all you had to do was say 4999 yeah, well, and you know you could have been one of them I won't tell Dan what you've said basically when I, t- when I ask him so there you go Um <laughs> Right, okay. Uh, X Files is not a ma- massive amount to cover here, to be honest, Mike. Um, we were hoping we'd get a bit more, but there you go. Um, goals. Zanzala scored for um, for mm. for Barrow, didn't he? Um, have you seen the goal? It's a mm. great little goal, to be fair. I just got a feeling, I've got a feeling no, it's no. good for them. It's so annoying, but there you go. He's, yeah, uh, I know. He started well for them. By all accounts, they've been impressed. Um, he can't stop a good man, can you? Carl Stockton scoring again. I, I, like mm. I said, I, I, I don't have back at Carl. Now it's mad. I wouldn't if you asked me like last, start of last season. I said not a chance in hell we'd ever have him back at Carlisle. But yeah. well, it, it's it's one of them because you know people are saying oh he suddenly sort of turned it round all of a sudden. But he was a very good player before yeah. us, and he's a very good player after us. It was literally just yeah, with us. Seemingly that he wasn't really good. Carl wanted him to fit into. There you go. But to be fair, at the same time, I've never seen a player come off a pitch with shorts as clean as his week yeah. in and week out. Like, he just wasn't putting no, in the graft, no, was he? didn't work. Um, I'll tell you, man, he was putting in the graft the other night. Andy Cook got a hat-trick for, for Barrow in yeah. the first... Not Barrow, sorry. For Bradford in the first half, didn't he, of their game against uh, Stevenage. Mm-hmm. Really, really impressive. That yeah. from, from Cook. He apparently got a standing ovation, even from, like, the press box was standing up and applauding him off when he got subbed. Um, and actually, mm. listen, he got a goal as well the other night. I think it was it Crawley beat Salford, I think, didn't they? Quite, quite impressive. Mm. Salford are not having a good start to the season, are they? 
Um, oh god, who who predicted them I to win the league? Them, well, <laughs> you predicted them to win. Really. I had them top three, but Dad had them yeah, top three. So yeah. looks like we've cursed them again. Not, not that I'm grumbling. Um, mm. Some interesting interesting problems <laughs> no. there, Salford though, because it looks like they're going to move next season to the AG Bell Stadium, the the Rugby League one that's right near the Trafford Centre. Mm. I mean, I've had a look. It's a pain mm. in the ass to get to. <laughs> I was looking like in terms of the public transport, mm. the tram to the Trafford Centre doesn't get you anywhere near. It's still about half an hour walk from there. There you go. Um, only have a little bit of news we've got here. Clinton Hills left his role as assistant manager at Bristol Rovers for, I think, for family reasons, isn't it? I think it was described. No further details. Yeah. We don't know what's happened there. It might be a case of he's just finding it difficult being that far away because he obviously he lives in the world, doesn't he? I think because uh, we've both seen yeah. him travelling on the train to Carlisle games from Liverpool in the past. So so now good luck to Clint. I'll see him whatever role he goes for next. He was a great little player for us. So there you go. Um, and that's yeah. it, Mike. That's it for today's episode. Uh, nicely yep. rounded up. We've obviously dropped the clips in and stuff and ho- hope people enjoy the, those bits. We'll, we'll try and do a few more of those. On. It was quite a long one from the, the Port Vale game, but hopefully I'll be able to do the next one and trim it a little bit better. What we might do, we might almost use that as the, the match review bits in future, basically whenever I do record them, because I think they're quite mm. good. We'll do a proper one. What we'll do is we'll do a proper episode for when we go to Sutton, won't we? We'll record lots of audio and we go down yeah. on the day. So that's, we've booked our trains for that. Cost us an absolute fortune because uh, Liverpool are playing Brentford <laughs> that weekend and Man City are playing against Chelsea, so mm. we can't even go via Manchester to make it cheaper. Sod mm. slow. There you go. So, yeah, thank you once again to our sponsors, the London Branch, for sponsoring the second half of the show. Um, reminder, everyone, you can subscribe to the podcast. They're all good podcast apps. Just search for the Brunton Bugle, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Acast, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast. We're on all the, the good podcast apps. If we're not on there, do let us know because we can actually try and arrange to make sure we are on there if it's one that you use for all your other podcasts. Um, and obviously, follow us on social media at Brunt and Bugle on Twitter. Search for Brunt and Bugle on Facebook. And we're all on the Be Just and Fair Not Facebook group, aren't we, as well? And we also post on the Cumbrians.net yeah. message board. Um, in terms of upcoming episodes, we'll be doing a uh, a preview for the Hartlepool game uh, next week along with some sort of... Um, review of the late Orient game as well um, and then obviously the week after that we'll be doing an episode with you Mike review the Hartlepool game because you're going to it I'm not so yeah, yeah. I know. it's time. disgraceful isn't it disgraceful <laughs> um, so yeah that, that's that's the, the plan for that game um, and, and we'll, we'll be getting Dan's CUFC 11 episode out early next week as well so you've got an extra bonus uh, special episode too Mike you're off to go and order your Hartlepool ticket aren't you so uh Enjoy your yep. trip to the northeast next week. Um, thanks everyone for listening and up the blues. Up the blues.